Striving and Thriving is the career development podcast inspiring you to make some bold changes. It's time to sweat the big stuff. Each week, we speak to industry figureheads at different stages of their journey to understand what it takes to successfully manage your career. This podcast is proudly sponsored by global talent partner, The Nudge Group. We're a disruptive force within the recruitment industry, helping founders grow their businesses from startups to unicorns. We're not just a recruitment company, we're a strategic partner offering a system known as the Nudge Experience to help you grow. Working with founders, investors, venture capital, and private equity firms, the Nudge Group helps you build your employer brand and tell your unique story to attract the top talent around the globe. I'm your host, Laura Johnson, and today I'm lucky enough to have Steve Great as my wonderful co-host. And today we're thrilled to be joined by Trent Evans. Trent, to get us started, can you tell us a bit about your career background and your current role? Yeah, sure. So I'm currently the HR manager at Micromine, a global technology provider for the mining sector. So key players in most markets in the exploration space and also have solutions that cover the mine production, mine scheduling part of the mining value chain as well. So a little bit about me. I started my HR career about 10 years ago now. I actually started up in Darwin in the public sector, working for the Department of Chief Minister. So that was a really good landing for me. It was a year-long grad program whereby I got some great rotations through different departments around the NTPS. Gave me a really good, solid footing in like policies and procedures and industrial relations and performance management and recruitment. And so I kept pursuing the generalist path. My um, 12 months was up in Darwin. I got offered a couple of opportunities to stay up there, but, and whilst the lifestyle was very good, the lure of family and friends was a bit too much back in Perth. So I came home. I was very fortunate to land an entry-level job at Micromine, just right at the back end of the last mining boom. And so the company was going really well and uh, needed an extra set of hands in the HR team. Unfortunately, like most companies, we felt the brunt of pretty significant mining downturn during the following years. And so pretty quickly, I was left to fend for myself. It was a team of three that got reduced to a team of one. And I'm not sure why, but they stuck with me. And um, here I am. So, um, (laughs) So I was very lucky over that period of time then to work with some different managers, a couple of different CEOs. And we set about really reshaping and refocusing the business to what we do well, which is software. And that proved to be a pretty good move for us. And so throughout the middle of last decade, we achieved above market year on year growth which was fantastic and kind of got the business in a position where the family that owned the business who were the majority shareholders could relinquish the business after 30 years of hard work, achieved a really good result for them and their family. And then we partnered with a PE fund, which Steve knows all too well, Potential Capital. And so the business has really accelerated from there and my career has as well. And it's been fast paced. It's been a learning curve for sure but it's been pretty exciting and I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. That's yeah. awesome. I guess going back to it, what made you pick HR in the first place? Uh, like most people who get into HR, they say, well, I, I like working with people and you soon work out that that's probably the most challenging part of any business. <laughs> um, yeah, I was always able to build pretty good rapport and relationships with people through my teen years and various like sporting teams that I played in. So I always kind of liked the human side of it. I've done, you know, disk profiling and LSI profiling and all of it says I'm more people focused than task focused. So that's probably why 
my natural tendency went that way. I actually studied my first year of marketing and media and uh, found most of the students at the time doing that course were more interested in kind of watching movies and critiquing movies. And that wasn't really for me. I just like to watch movies to relax rather than make a living out of it. So pivoted and got into HR. I got a question. You've grown up in Perth. You decided to study HR. How do you end up working for the public sector in Northern Territory? Yeah, it's a good question. I got some personal influence. So I actually I just split up with a girlfriend at the back end of 2010 or something. And a friend of mine had just moved up to Darwin and he kind of said, like, why don't you just get out of Perth for a while? And so I did. My dad was really keen for me to do that as well. Just a bit of a change of scene. And so I applied for a grad program up there and I got it. And the next 12 months were in Darwin and it was so much fun. It was really good. Was it a massive adjustment? I would imagine Darwin is very... I've never been to Darwin. I've been to Perth many times. But how is it different and how did you cope with that at such a young age, I guess? I'm intrigued by that. I was very fortunate. So I had a friend up there who I moved in with immediately and another guy moved in with us and we became very close very quickly. And like my friendship circles have always revolved around my sporting interests as well. So that was very good. And the NTPS were a great organization to work for. They really looked after me. They have, it's very transient up there. So they really look up after people from the Southern states. Um, They make it very clear that you're a Southerner and you're not a local, Um, but uh, by and large, most people look after you and they want to just show off how beautiful the Northern Territory is. They want to take you fishing and camping and all the cool stuff you do when you're up there. It was, yeah, like I said, I'd recommend it for any young professional really who's keen to get a grounding in not just the public sector, but you know, um, if you wanted to do a year or two kind of working holiday, if you like, or even stay up there as many people do, it's, um, it's a fantastic place to work and live. Interesting. Now, you've been through what, in a relatively short time with one business, what a lot of people might not even go through in their lifetime in the fact that you joined a very fast-growing business. You then went through a massive downturn. You then went through another upturn. And then you went through a sale. And now you're in private equity. And all that while, turning into a global company. That's a huge amount of experiences. And as HR, and as a sole HR for some of that period, your responsibility for those people would have been enormous. Tell me what some, maybe a couple of the biggest things that you've learned through having gone through all of that in what is a relatively short space of time. One thing that's always held me in good stead is I I always say yes. So I just go ahead and, (laughs) you know, if someone says, okay, can you do this? Or can we do this? I always kind of start with, yeah, I think we can. And then kind of work out the details along the way. I'm sure that's led to a few speed bumps along the way, but it's been the best way for me to learn. Like I think, yeah, sometimes getting thrown in the deep end is the best way to learn. And I've had some good mentors along the way as well who have helped me. So, yeah, that's probably the one thing that I think has held me in good stead is that I, my natural tendency is to go, yeah, I can do that. And then I work it out later. And I'm a decent problem solver as well, I think. So, and I kind of enjoy problem solving. So, that, yeah, that's kind of held me in good stead as well. That positive attitude again comes out a lot. Yeah. Now, you've just done a beautiful segue for us because <laughs> you mentioned that you would had a couple of great mentors. Oh, I'm intrigued to know where they came from and, yep. and how they have mentored you differently. Yeah. So the obvious one is Andrew Birch, my current boss, CEO of Micromine, unbelievably experienced person in business and in technology businesses. So he was the CEO at MYOB through a 10-year journey of unbelievable success with that company. And previous to that, it had run businesses for Vodafone and Honeywell on a national and APAC scale. So he's been fantastic for me just to, I guess, coming from a family business to show me what world-class looks like in terms of a HR function and then giving me the kind of leg rope to go away and 
apply that at Micromind has been really fun. And I've got a great team around me that helped me do that. The other one is Claire Tudor, the former CEO of Micromind, who was involved when the, the Tudor family owned the business. She put a lot of faith in me and gave me unbelievable opportunity that most people probably wouldn't have for someone of my um, level of experience. But And together we kind of worked things out and we problem solved together and we had a, a great working relationship and we got the business to a point where we could obviously achieve a fantastic result for the family. So that was um, really satisfying as well. Absolutely. That's great. I guess just in terms of anyone that's maybe going into a new mentor relationship, have you got any advice as to how to get the most from that kind of relationship or any of those sessions that you guys had together? I've never been a part of a formal mentor-mentee program. In fact, I tried one once and it wasn't all that successful um, through an organization, which I can't remember. So it was more of an informal kind of relationship and then just ask questions like, why did you do it that way? How did you do it? And then try and leverage off the people that they know within the industry or have worked with in HR. That's kind of what I've been doing the last few years is just trying to as many brains as I can, really. Um, How did you find that transition from a from a family CEO who you've obviously, who's given you an amazing opportunity and you become very close to, to suddenly then meeting someone like AB who comes in and from a very, very different background and probably a very different viewpoint in a lot of things. How did you, from what that's one mentee to another almost, it's like a passing of the flame, right? How did you find that experience? Was it easy? Was it difficult? Was it actually the core messaging probably the same or was it, I'm intrigued because they're two such different individuals and they've obviously had two massive impacts on your life. So I'm quite intrigued to learn a little bit more about how you found the change, like going from one parent to another almost, and whether the core messaging yep. is the same or whether it's very different. It's incredibly daunting. It was incredibly daunting for me. You know, I've read a bit about imposter syndrome and what have you, and there was definitely a bit of that at the back end of, well, sorry, as the transition was as occurring, because AB comes in and he knows everything, right? And so I think from where we were was kind of working things out to someone coming in and he's like, well, I kind of know how to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a little bit of imposter syndrome kicking in. But fortunately, again, like he's kind of said, sort of mentored me and worked with me and had faith that I would be able to deliver what the vision that he had for the HR function of the business in the first couple of years of his tenure here. And so we've been able to do that. We've done some really cool things so far and, you know, we're just really excited about what's next. So to answer your question, yeah, no, it was a challenge and it's probably something I still grapple with every day is coming to work and being completely overwhelmed by the, the caliber of people that I'm sidled up next to. But again, like what an opportunity. It's just for me, that's I'm so grateful for that and um, I can't count my blessings enough really. Yeah. And were the messages, was there a lot of similarities in, in the sort of core things that they were talking to you about? Uh, it doesn't have to be. I don't imagine that there was, but I'm intrigued no. to know if there was. No, I don't think there was. <laughs> I think it was... Uh, I that question. Yeah. There were two very different leaders. Both like to inspire and motivate in their own way, but AB's very structured, very considered, whereas, as I said, sometimes Claire and I were just kind of working it out as we went and, yeah, yeah we achieved some cool stuff. We Sometimes we got it wrong. Yeah, well, that's going to keep happening, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess on that then, <laughs> could you like pinpoint like the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way or if there's a mistake that you're happy to talk about? Yes, I was thinking about this prior to joining the podcast today. Fortunately, there's been nothing catastrophic um, that I can <laughs> kind of put my finger on. Uh, <laughs> good word. Yeah, so and lessons that I've learned. I mean, there's been times when I could have been a stronger leader for sure. You know, people look to HR for guidance and direction from time to time, and especially in my role as a senior leader at Microbyte. And there's been times where I probably haven't 
understood that as well as I could have. And that's something that AB is really working with me now on is understand that you are a significant voice in the business and people are looking to you for leadership. So like kind of step up and don't be shy. So yeah, there's probably been something I've really learned recently is like if there's change going on and I'm a part of that change is not to be there to support the business, it's to, to lead the business. And so that's a bit of a shift in mindset for me. It's an interesting um, transition that I think we've brought up a couple of times in different ways, just in terms of that, like going from being an individual achiever and being great at your job to being a leader. And sometimes like the the training around that is often missing and that kind of whole soft skills piece is just kind of missed out from most people and most businesses and you end up making those big mistakes and kind of like you're saying making it up as you go along almost before you realize that you're like oh actually (laughs) I do know what I'm doing and this is okay and it does take a while it does seem to be something that keeps coming up from a lot of people yeah for sure and when you work with you go from working for a family business to people with unbelievable credentials like AB and Wiseman Kit and the other senior leaders at Micromind like yeah there's this bit of that imposter syndrome and you feel like oh maybe I should sort of take a back seat and watch and learn but no they're looking for you for guidance as much as I'm looking at them so that's been a really good lesson. I guess just on Steve's point as well about how much change you've coped with in such a short space of time and all this what do you do to kind of keep up to date and sort of training wise what do you do around that? Not as much as I'd like for sure I like to get to conferences I like to lean on people within the industry for uh, to chat about all things HR yeah, it's definitely not something I've put as, as much time into, particularly over the last probably two to three years as I would have liked. At Micromar, we've just developed a relationship with a couple of other businesses locally to us, which is great. We've actually invited them into our beautiful brand new office in the city and to do a bit of a HR roundtable powwow in early June. So that'll be great just to get together pretty informally, show them kind of some of the programs we're running and, you know, they can share some information with us as well. So hopefully that's the start of something pretty cool and we can keep expanding our group. We've got yeah two other businesses on board, but we'd love to get associations or relationships with other businesses and just talk about best practice HR. That's awesome. I love that idea. Just said two things that have really interested me. The first one was they moved into offices in the city, which is great because they used to be in these offices that no one could get to and they were a nightmare to recruit for. So that's great. <laughs> that's really good news. Um, yeah, but it's, secondly, it's beautiful. Yeah. it looks beautiful as well. Yeah. But secondly, and it's not something anyone's yeah. brought up today and actually not someone anyone's brought up in any of my interviews, in any of the podcasts or any of the conversations or anything that I've been in for ages. And you said the word conferences. Now, conferences obviously have had a tough time in recent years for obvious health reasons, but People don't talk about conferences as much as they used to. Talk to me. That means you've obviously been to some conferences and that you get a lot out of them. I'm dying to know what were those conferences that you've been to and what did you get out of them and what do you think perhaps you get out of conferences that you can't get out of books, online learning, podcasts, training sessions and roundtables like you did. I'm really interested to know more about this because we don't talk about conferences very often. There was a conference that I went to in Sydney that really sticks out. It was maybe three years ago. It was, I think it was called the ANZ Leadership Summit or HR and Leadership Summit or something like that. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think they've just sent me an invite for their upcoming conference in, in July, which is now starting to sound like I, I'm putting in a plug for them. I mean, but, uh, that that's was, a free that, ticket right there. Yeah, that, was, that was really great. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was really great because it was about performance management and it was something that we hadn't successfully run at Micromine before. And it was all it was was two days of other businesses coming in and showing what they're doing in that space. And you could kind of sit there and go, that's awesome. Like we would love to you take all the good bits from that. And then you see the businesses that you think, gee, that's just 
not what we want to implement here at Markabai. Maybe it works for them. So I just think the knowledge sharing, sometimes I think conferences that you attend try to cover too much, too many different topics. And so I think narrowing the focus of those topics is always helpful. And then just hear from other businesses and learn from it. And then, of course, the networking that goes with that. I think it's always the informal conversations around a coffee or maybe even a beer afterwards where you you learn the most, isn't it? So, no, I, I love going to those events. We just, yeah, as you say, we haven't been able to do too many of them over the last year or year and a half. And I'm not sure the online event has the same impact, although I suppose something's better than nothing. Yeah, I think the other thing, I think you're right, is um, going back to what you're saying about just having time and sometimes a conference and having those two days means you just spend a day or two days, whatever, really learning. So you're not then trying to like work out how you do it consistently when you're also trying to do 101 things like you obviously have been over the last few years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that, in fact, I'll ask you this question. Why do you think that there, or what do you think is the difference between, you know, we live in this sort of balanced virtual and real world now? And I don't think that's going to go away. You know, here we are doing podcasts. Admittedly, you're in, you're in Perth and we're in Sydney, but so that would be difficult. But we do still have a lot of meetings and virtual conferences and things, even with people who are actually within reach of us. But then we also have a lot more things that are coming together in real life as well. What do you think the differences are? I mean, I think the benefits of virtual are obviously really time. You can fit a lot more in because you're not no traveling. But what do you think we miss by not having as much face-to-face contact? And I mean this from a perspective if you've got a very distributed team you know you're a global business um, you've got offices in other states as well tell me what do you think is the hardest thing from people in HR perspective to deal with when you're dealing with people virtually yeah a lot of people like working for the human connection the social connection that comes with work and interacting with other people certainly what I've found through albeit a very short lockdown in Perth was I was able to get a lot done and it was very productive but I, I missed you know, the one-on-one conversations with my peers. I miss just the corridor conversations that you have with people and the little bits of information that you pick up along the way throughout the workplace. And so from a HR perspective, we've been very cognizant of that around the regions and it's very difficult. So yeah, when I say regions, I mean like our international offices because I mean of 11 global offices or whatever we are, only two of them are actually back in the office, Perth and Brisbane. And so yeah, it has been a challenge to try and replicate that for our regional offices, for sure. Yeah, it's just that human connection and the, the information that you miss, I think. Have you guys done a lot of stuff differently or do you do a lot of stuff differently from an HR perspective for those overseas offices than perhaps you might do for a Perth office, I guess? Probably not as much as we would have liked. We implemented a reward and recognition program. This wasn't on the back of COVID, but it was on the back of our engagement survey that we did last year. And so that's been quite good in keeping people together virtually. So every quarter we can get together and recognize our peers via like an online video and you get to see, you know, all the amazing people at Micromine around the world doing really great things and a little bit of a spiel from them. So those kind of things you can do, we're just working out, we did a really great product launch in uh, October last year, which was our first ever virtual product launch. And there's another one coming up in the next week or so. So those things have been quite successful. A lot of our communications have had to go online, but we were sort of there anyway. But being such a globally dispersed business, we're only 215 people, but spread quite thin across some pretty far-flung corners of the world, like Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and Mongolia. So we were kind of used to that. I wouldn't say we're perfect at it by any stretch, but yeah, when we think global comms and trying to interact with our teams, we've always kind of thought about us being quite dispersed anyway. Cool. Okay. 
I want to touch on the mentor giving again, because I'm, you said that you joined a structured mentor program, which didn't work out very well. Now, not necessarily after the horror stories, but I'm intrigued to know what was it about that mentor program that perhaps didn't work? And if someone's looking to go and find a mentor, let's say they don't happen to have the benefit like you have of AB or Claire, who happened to be running the business at the time, but they want to go and find a mentor, how would they do that? So tell me about the program and what made it not successful for you. And tell me about any ideas you might have about how someone can go and find a mentor if that's something they feel they want to add to their career. Yeah, I won't mention the organization that no, um, no, please don't. was no. running the program. <laughs> but it was, uh, I just think we were, weren't quite matched particularly well. I think we were both doing very different parts of HR. The person that I was matched with was running shutdowns for Mindsights. So it was more about resourcing and being able to scale up your resourcing very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'm a generalist, so I'm not sure we were particularly well matched there. And then kind of as it all unfolded, he was sort of interested in my job and um, <laughs> said, you know, if there's ever, if you're, ever your job becomes available, like... Keep me in mind. And I was like, well, you're my mentor. Like, wow. You know, I should want your job. <laughs> I did not see that. I did not so, expect you to say that. <laughs> I can understand why you didn't really so, um, feel that worked out for you. Yeah, okay. No, but that's not to say those structured programs aren't great. I know other members of my team have um, been involved with them and had far more positive experiences than I did. I probably just had a, just got a bad experience. Yeah, okay. And have you got any ideas on how someone might go? I mean, you haven't had to go out and look for one. I guess there's almost everyone's presented themselves to you, which is amazing and you're extremely lucky. That doesn't happen to a lot of people. It's a question I get asked a lot in my job is, you know, how can I find a mentor? And I'll be honest, I struggle to have an answer. So I'm not necessarily expecting you to have one. I'm just wondering whether you have any ideas that we can maybe flush out that, uh, that uh, I might be able to use next time someone asks me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to be much help. Well, but definitely you need to find someone who's got the same industry interests as you. So as I said before, like we were just kind of matched. We were, whilst we both worked in HR, we were both we were interested in very different things and we were working in very different sectors. And so his experiences weren't necessarily aligning with mine. So that's why I kind of think we neither of us got much out of it. So you kind of just need to make sure the alignment's right. In terms of like how to find that person, I guess if you know what industry or part of HR you particularly enjoy, then I don't know, reach out to some of the HR organizations that are out there and ask to be paired up with them. You could probably do some LinkedIn searching or yeah, like cold calling or whatever it might be through LinkedIn to find people who you might be interested in. You know, people are generally pretty generous with their time, I find. So if anyone wants to reach out and hear about my experiences further, they're more than welcome to via LinkedIn, no problem at all. That's awesome. Have you, have you done any mentoring yet? Outside of your no, direct No, team? I haven't. No, not, yeah, not a formal mentoring program. I've been fortunate to build a team from the ground up. And so I've actually never employed someone with prior HR experience to my team. And so I've been passing on what I've learned that way but by no means the Oracle as well. So, uh, yeah, no, I haven't been informed. of. I've been a part of a, like a formal mentoring program. Though. Well, I would say you would have a lot to offer based on what you told us so far and what you've been through. So uh, it was a very generous view to offer that. I'm sure someone's going to reach out. Let's hope it's just not 25,000 people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just looking at time, we're going to ask you two more questions and then we'll let you go. I guess on the kind of advice side of things, if you were talking to someone now that was kind of a year, two years into their HR career, what advice would you give them? My advice would be to say yes and just like don't hold yourself back. You know, some of the best experiences are throwing yourself in the deep end and getting out of your comfort zone and like 
working your way through it as you go. Most of the time, the leaders in the business aren't going to let you do anything too catastrophically bad anyway. So, yeah, I think as long as you kind of understand some of the risks involved with, with that approach, you'll be fine. So that would be my key advice. It's like, just dive in and give it a go and yeah, and just see how it goes. Want to know more about how to get ahead? Be sure to check out striving.io for career development tools and mentorships to guide you through. Striving and thriving. 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 Striving and thriving.